mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good morning and welcome to Telling Everybody Everything. Maybe you are out doing some gardening on this beautiful July day. Maybe you're in the kitchen doing the washing up. Maybe you're listening to me in the car while you run your many errands or perhaps you're walking the dog. Whatever you're doing, thank you so much for being with me. I am back, baby. I have a lot of time to myself. And by a lot of time to myself, I mean at least one hour a day, which is very exciting. My son Fred is one year old now, and he does not sleep through the night just yet, but the tides are turning. Things are getting better. He is waking maybe two or three times for milk, but keeping his eyes closed during those wakes. And last night, guys, it was only two times. I watch Love Island with my gorgeous husband and formidable daughter every single night, and I go to bed around 10, and it's just knowing that I don't have to get in a car and be in hair and makeup at 6 a.m. every day is a blessing. But working with Ramesh on Romantic Getaway was also a blessing. Those of you who do this kind of schedule full-time for, like, decades, I just take my hat off to you. I don't know how you do it. I hope that you are at least able to take a brief holiday for yourself this summer. I'll tell you who's going on holiday by herself, Violet Ryan. My daughter, who has turned 13 and just dyed her hair blonde with the help of my good friend. Well, not with the help. He did it. Danny Rico. You can see him on uh, Instagram. Danny Rico hair something. I mean, I've tagged him in my latest reel. He dyed Violet's hair blonde. She's not allowed to have that at school. She's also not allowed to have nails done at school. And she is living her hot girl summer. She's got the blonde hair. She's getting nails tomorrow. She wants me to actually fake tan her, which is a throwback. I didn't think we were still tanning gals. Of course, when I grew up, I had hair-colored skin and skin-colored hair. My uh, arms and legs were ginger. And then my (laughs) hair was like a blue-white blonde. And... I'm hearing 90s music come back. I'm seeing some 90s clothes come back. And Violet is going for the style that I love. So I said, yeah, I will fake Tanya. I got a glove. I've got the mitt. I've got the Saint-Tropez. I'm ready to go. Put me in, coach. Give me a chance to show you what I was truly made of back in the days I was hot. Violet's going to Spain with a girlfriend and her parents, obviously. Uh, And I'm a little bit jealous. I have been invited to go to... But I feel like I shouldn't encroach on their girls' holiday. It's only for a week. Ugh, I'm deeply jealous. Wait a minute. What day is it? Oh, shit. Oh, fine. Got to get her PCR tested in two days. I thought it was July 8th. It isn't. Um, so Fred and Bobby and I are here at the house all alone for a week before we go to Canada. We are going to be like two parents, nearly 40s, with a small boy and no teenage girl to distract him with. I don't know what we're going to do. 
Um, today I found an awesome spot. If you live anywhere near North London, and you know, I have friends who come up from central London to see the amazing farms and cool things that I take Fred to. My neighborhood, you know, it, we have terrible food delivery, but that's okay. I get gusto. We are a little bit far from the center of town, but if I want to shop, I just take either the Northern or Piccadilly line to go right into the cité. Traffic can be a bitch sometimes, but we've got farms. We've got tractors. We've got animals. We've got planes. We've got Willows Activity Farm in St. Albans, which is not super far. And then I discovered Elstree Aerodrome. I'm regretting, as these words are coming out of my mouth, I'm regretting it because it's kind of a hidden gem. Uh, Not a lot of people were there when I went today, but Fiona and I had to take a helicopter to get to a job a while ago. And they said, well, the helicopter can pick you up like not far from your house in Elstree where they have really good film studios. And it can take you straight to the Isle of Wight. And I was like, what? And when I went there, it was just like a Shangri-La for dads. They have a beautiful cafe. It's like a training airport where people learn to fly small planes and helicopters. And the cafe knows what it's doing. The cafe has high chairs. The cafe has, wait a minute, I took a screen grab of the menu. They've got like all these coffees, juices, everything else, but also, get ready for this, wine, beers. There's alcohol there for people who are not driving or flying planes. They've got like all these salads, different kind of pastas, quiches, I've got the menu open, granola, fruit and yogurt compote, full English breakfast, different omelets, lots of different lunches, jacket potatoes, soups, sweet things, a kid's menu, smoked salmon bagel. Basically, you go there with your small son or daughter if your daughter likes planes, but so far, I know we're getting more progressive about gender being non-binary. My children are so binary, it hurts. Fred is obsessed with like trucks, cars, wheels, planes, helicopters. I took him there and there's a just a little parking lot next to this beautiful cafe and you sit indoors or outdoors. There's a little area for them to run around if they want to. And they just watch planes, small planes and helicopters take off like every five to 10 minutes. And then there are loads of planes just like parked around too, like just right next to you, honestly. So you can look over the fence and be like, look, Fred, that plane's sleeping. Oh, there's a man taking the blanket off his plane to give it a wash. He's saying, wake up plane, off we go. And then like, it's the best entertainment that you could have, especially if you're lazy or you need a break and you just want to sit your toddler in a high chair, have a quiet cup of coffee to yourself. Well, I mean, it's not super quiet. You can hear plane engines, but they're not, you know, the kids don't need to wear like noise canceling headphones or anything. It's not that loud. It's far enough away. And the kids like they just watch it the same way you see little boys on the side of the road watching a construction site. It was a great morning. I loved it there. So, I mean, please don't all come at once because if this place starts to get like hot, if there's a fucking guest list and I have to queue to go, I'm going to be very upset. But if you happen to be in the area and you're looking for something to do with a plane loving toddler, or maybe you are like an older person who just really likes planes. I think when I was younger, I was a bit of a dick. Well, I know that when I was younger, I was a bit of a dick, but I might have made fun of like train spotters or plane spotters. It seems like a weird hobby to have like binoculars in a little book and go look at things. But now I'm a lot more understanding. I'm a lot more sensitive. I have a lot of love for the world. And when I see like an older man with binoculars who just loves playing, like he's geeky about something because he loves it that much. That's what a geek is. It's someone who's so passionate about something 
that they just want to go and experience it all the time. And like, oh, I just love seeing the men who are there with their little notebooks and they just want to look at planes because one day they were someone's baby. They used to be someone's little friend. And that that like toddler is still inside of them and they go to look at planes. I almost cried. Luckily, I'd not had a wine. I'm going on Loose Women tomorrow. So if you're home in the day, and I know you already watch Loose Women, it's a great show. It's a lot like The View in America. This will be a reference for like international listeners where they get a bunch of opinionated women, usually over 40, who are from different spectrums of like schools of beliefs so that they have disagreements sometimes. And it's a topical show where they just weigh in on what's going on. And I was preparing to go on Loose Women today and they said, well, what do you feel about what's been going on uh, in politics. We're going to talk about the people stepping down. And look, I know this is not a super political podcast, and I have been so busy. Admittedly, I have stepped away from some of this. And I'm going to say someone's name wrong. I know that. Sajid Javid and Rishi Sunak. Those are my guesses. Is that what their names are? When I get people's names wrong, you can't say that I'm racist. I don't get Rishi Sunak's name wrong because I'm racist. I get it because I also get every other... Rich C. Sunak, that was right. Yeah, fuck you. And Sajid Javid. Okay, I was right. But I don't follow this stuff. Why? Because I feel like it's a hustle. It's a scam. Anything these people say is not genuine. Uh, I don't I don't care anymore. I've like lost interest in believing that people have good intentions, with the exception of Jess Phillips, who I think has great intentions. But apparently what's happened, and I'm supposed to know about for tomorrow, so I'm going to have to research it to form, you know, an educated opinion. But I'll give you my my workshop thoughts of it now. What's happened is Boris Johnson is apparently the alleged victim of a coup, some people would say, where his appointed MPs and his, you know, the people who are meant to be on his squad are stepping down and leaving him vulnerable to be, like, ousted and then put someone else in his place to be PM. I said to the researcher, I said, oh, was that because didn't he get caught for like, (laughs) allegedly, guys, allegedly, before you try to sue me, I thought what had happened is he was getting sucked off by his current wife back when she was working for him in like the British version of Oval Office, like Bill Clinton sort of scandal. I thought that's what happened. I had definitely read something like that, like they were messing around before at work. And the woman was like, no, 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 that's not why. It's because someone else called like Chris Pritchard. (laughs) Again, I'm again, I'm guessing. Wait a minute. Is that someone off Love Island? Who's this guy? Chris Pritchard? Broussard? Is that who it is? No, no, that's a Toronto person. Listen, someone who works for Boris Johnson apparently groped two men at a gentleman's club And so they're all up in arms, like, how could you appoint these people knowing that they were bad? So now some people are, like, moving away from Boris Johnson. I couldn't give a fuck. Why is anyone surprised? Oh, I'm sorry. Boris Johnson told you who he was again and again and again and again. And finally you believe him? I would be surprised if all these MPs weren't groping people. If there's a day without a scandal where they have lied or cheated or treated someone like an object then I'm floored. I've said before, and once again, I do not understand how people who have never had a day of a normal life, they go to special schools, they hang around with privileged people, they fly private. Isn't one of these guys who just stepped down like a billionaire? Isn't his wife a billionaire? 
how are you supposed to make sensible decisions? Because that's your role as a civil servant. It is to serve the people in your civilization. How are you supposed to know anything about the day-to-day running of their lives when you don't know how much milk costs, when you have never been in a situation where you're digging for change in the couch just so you can take the bus to work? Like, I just don't get it. I, I can't stand these people, and I'm not surprised. Whatever they do that's bad, I mean, what's my reaction on it? My reaction is, yeah, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think Boris Johnson is like evil or anything. I I think whoever replaces him will be the same. I think it's like a system in that party. It doesn't matter who you get, that it's just going to be an absolute mess. It's a mess. We're in a mess right now. A lot of people have asked me, oh, I can't wait, Catherine, for you to weigh in on what's happening in America. Roe versus Wade. Uh, You can't get an abortion anymore in America, Catherine. I can't wait to hear you talk about that on your podcast. You will not hear me talk about that on my podcast because I think what we have to do is stop feeding into this like rage, this outrage that they clearly want us to have and manipulate us to have over and over and over again on different subjects. If we're not upset, remember for like five seconds we were upset about the Taliban? Like Joe Biden's administration had pulled out of whatever was going on in Syria and all of a sudden the Taliban were like growing and taking over. We were pissed off about that for like two days. COVID we were pissed off about. The war in the Ukraine erased COVID. I don't hear about the Ukraine anymore. Also, what happened to Black Lives Matter? Now we're talking about trans things. And then, okay, that got spicy. But now let's get rid of abortion in America. And everyone can be mad about that. These are like, I'm not saying that it's not a problem and that these are not real issues that affect people. But they're very emotional issues. And people get so all in. And they just fight and they fight. And I feel like you'll never change anyone's mind about it. Meanwhile, inflation's going on and all these other things, but we don't have time to deal with that because someone somewhere is dangling our human rights precariously over a cliff. And we go, holy shit, wait a minute, park that. All right, I'll pay five pounds for a liter of gas. Hang on, uh, my human rights, uh, it's going to be Handmaid's Tale any minute now. What's, what's, and you put all your energy towards that. I just feel like maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm just getting more cynical. I feel like we are told when and why to get angry all the shootings and stuff again like my god it is bad but you won't hear me talk about it on this podcast because i've decided that there's not ever going to be a person who listens to this who's like finally the end of six-week abortions well that's a better world we can all wake up looking forward to a great day everyone's already on my side about it so why am i going to feed into this machine to remind you why we're angry And to tell you how right we are and how wrong everyone else is. I know how you feel about it. You know how I feel about it. So let's talk about Travis Barker's pancreatitis instead. I was, of course, very excited to see that my mom, Kourtney Kardashian, and my dad, Travis Barker, got married in a fairy tale ceremony in Italy. Kourtney has been mistreated for years and years by the chosen father of her three beautiful children. And I even used to watch Travis Barker in his previous marriage to Shayna Mokler. So you guys miss out on a lot of stuff living in the UK. There was uh, a lot of reality TV on MTV early days in the inception of reality TV, like the good old days of the hills and Laguna Beach and the real world and 
all this stuff. Ooh, Nick and Jessica newlyweds. If you can access any of that, with the exception of the real world. I was never a huge fan of the real world. But Travis, when Blink-182 was really at the height of their like pop culture phenomenon fame, he had a reality show with his ex-playboy model wife, Sheena Mokler. She had a child from a previous relationship with a boxer called Oscar De La Hoya. And so there was this little girl, and then they got married and had some babies together. These babies are grown up now, like adults, Landon and Atiana and another one. This is all from memory, by the way, but it just shows me. These are like adults now. I was a child when I was watching them as babies. I remember Landon woke up in his crib and Travis went in on the reality show and he picked him up. And Landon was only about Fred's age. And he said, hey, did you have sweet baby dreams? And I was like, oh, my God, I love this guy. You just fell in love with Travis Barker on the show. Meanwhile, his sexy wife, whom he would do anything for, she seemed to lay in bed a lot. You know, it wasn't clear if she had some kind of problem or she was just tired. But she seemed to be a lady of leisure. Let's put it that way. And then when they divorced, some stuff came out like Travis was saying, you know, the nanny drives her daughter to school every day and like she doesn't work. I don't know what she's doing. She was very compelling on the reality show, too. And like for the reasons that a lot of women are compelling on those types of TV shows is like she was opinionated. She was ballsy. She got angry a lot. Um, But you just saw that their relationship you know, might have been slightly one-sided. Travis seemed to be constantly trying to make Shayna happy. So neither Courtney nor Travis were really in the best relationships early on, but I think a lot of us can identify with that. When you're young, you don't always make like the wisest choice. You make the best choice that you can at the time with the information that you have. You can't really help who you fall in love with. But this is why I advocate, you know, normalize finding love, love in your 40s because, well, I know I'm not in my 40s yet, but let's call it early on me and Bobby. You've made your mistakes. You've been humbled. You've learned. You know what you want. You know who you are. I don't think you change that much after 40, but your 20s are such like a tumultuous time of growth for everyone that if you are married to the same person when you're 20 as when you're 50, it's just luck that you guys have grown and changed together in the same way and are still compatible and have not had like an irreversible falling out, irreconcilable differences. So I always wanted something good for Travis. And I hung out with him one time in Toronto, and I found him to be a very nice, respectful, talented person. Yes, someone who did a lot of tapping and drumming on his own leg constantly. But that's what a drummer does. So anyway, they're in love. If you watch the Kardashians, you will see that Courtney and Travis are trying to have a baby. And as part of this quest, they go on all these health kicks. Courtney has always done like the really rich white lady uh, Gwyneth Paltrow style health stuff where she'll be vegan or she'll be sugar free or she'll just they went on this like erudetic eru some type of like Indian cleanse where they could only drink hot liquids for a little while no cold water no solid food just like teas and soups for a few days then she went for a vagina steam and a bunch of different massages and ice baths and all these crazy things that apparently rid your body of toxins and then you'll produce the best egg even in your 40s or however I think she's 46 and you will be more fertile 
Travis went along with all of this, even though they say on the show his sperm tested like perfect. He is a very doting husband. He's like, if you're doing it, I'm doing it. We're in this together. So they were like starving and steaming this and, you know, cleansing that. And so when I saw on the news last week that Travis was rushed to Mount Cedar sinai Hospital with some type of life-threatening illness from a colonic, I was like, oh, hell, love will push you too far. They've done something now. It was not enough to steam their vaginas, well, Courtney's vagina, that now she's convinced him to get like some colonic or invasive cleansing procedure that he doesn't need. I I was worried. I was worried. And I love Courtney, but I thought you're taking the cleanse too far. What has happened now? You've nearly killed your husband. Now we know in retrospect what it was is he had some type of endoscopy and it found a polyp. I'm assuming somewhere in his intestine or in like some type of digestive tract and that was removed. And when that was removed, it caused some problem that affected his pancreas. And I thought, well, what the hell is that? You know, like sometimes Fred's up at night or I can't sleep. I'm looking on my phone and I just Googled the most meaningless stuff. But I wanted to know what could happen to your pancreas, what pancreatitis was. And I found out that four out of five times you can have pancreatitis from too many rich foods or drinking too much alcohol and it can be managed and it can be mild and you're fine. But one out of every five times, it's very serious and can be life-threatening and your organs can shut down and you can seriously die if your pancreas is like not releasing the right enzymes or releasing all the wrong enzymes. Like it can poison you basically. I was like, holy, I didn't even know this about the pancreas. Where is the pancreas? This is how I find stuff out. And I read more and more about it. And I don't know how long you and I have been friends, how long you've been listening to my bullshit. But in 2019, I developed a terrible illness where I had nausea and pain at the top, top, top of my stomach. Every time I said my stomach hurts, Bobby was like, well, maybe you have to go to the bathroom. I was like, no, 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 way higher than that. It feels like it's almost in my heart, but it's my stomach. I can't eat. I can't drink. I feel sick. I'm in pain. And that was investigated. But, you know, you never get, you very rarely get a right answer in medicine. It's like an exploration of mysteries. So it was decided that I had probably caught a parasite in my stomach from kissing my dogs on the mouth. And the very dearly departed Sean Locke said to me, uh, well, you can't kiss your dogs on the mouth because they go outside and they're with like all London wildlife. It's basically like rimming a fox. And we all had a good laugh. And I thought that's true. Sometimes my dogs stick their nose in fox shit and then I kiss my dogs. And sometimes their kiss does taste a little foxy. I have essentially rimmed a fox. I got a parasite. That's what's hurting my stomach. And it lasted for a while. Like it was a quite, I don't get sick very often. And it was quite a notable thing. And now learning about pancreatitis from Travis Barker, I think that's what I had. I think I had the non-life-threatening pancreatitis because it was high up, nausea, pain, and I wasn't eating loads of rich foods. But when Bobby and I got back together, there was more alcohol in my life than I'm used to. We were partying here and there, going to birthdays, flying to Paris, just having a great old time. And I think I had pancreatitis. So if you don't know about your pancreas, look it up. Don't eat too many rich foods. Don't drink too much alcohol. It's high, high, high up in your stomach. That's what the pain feels like. And definitely, if you need to marry a woman who's obsessed with cleanses, 
draw the line at steaming your vagina and don't be putting any strange cameras or microscopes up your ass or down your throat if you don't have to. And again, he's not said that this is part of the cleanse, but I feel something, something tells me it was. What does the pancreas do? It plays a big role in digestion. It's located inside your abdomen, just behind your stomach. It's about the size of your hand. During digestion, your pancreas makes pancreatic juices called enzymes. These enzymes break down sugars, fats, and starches. Your pancreas helps your digestive system by making hormones. These are chemical messengers that travel through your blood. Pancreatic hormones help regulate your blood sugar levels and appetite, stimulate stomach acids, and tell your stomach when to empty. Yeah, I mean, oh, it makes insulin, glucagon, gastrin, and amylin. I don't know what that is. I don't know what insulin is. Oh, pancreatic problems, diabetes. If your pancreatic beta cells do not produce enough insulin, then your body can't use the insulin. You can develop diabetes. Shit. Pancreatitis. Pancreatitis happens when the pancreas becomes inflamed. It's often very painful. In pancreatitis, the digestive enzymes your pancreas make attack your pancreas and cause severe abdominal pain. The main cause of acute pancreatitis is gallstones blocking the common bile duct. Too much alcohol can cause pancreatitis. This is known as chronic pancreatitis. It affects digestion because enzymes are not available. This leads to diarrhea, weight loss, malnutrition. 90% of the pancreas must stop working to cause these symptoms. Well, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. And then you can get pancreatic cancer too, which you don't want. Oh my God. See, I've got to believe, like I know he says, oh, it was like someone removed a polyp and that caused it. But I feel like these two starving themselves, it can't be good for you. It's got to do something, even though all evidence shows like, basically the opposite of what they do causes pancreatitis. I don't know. I'm just glad he's okay. I'm glad he's okay. And I want to see a spinoff of the Kardashians with just these. No, I don't. I don't. No, they're just like constantly like getting fingered at the beach and like fucking in public. I can't, I can't watch too much of that actually at my age. All right. Well, I'm glad you're better, Travis. Um, Thank you for sharing your lives with us. I really enjoyed your kids tweeting about sending you thoughts and prayers, and I enjoyed learning about my pancreas. Let's hear from our gorgeous sponsors now, and when we return, I will open the emails and see what letters you've sent me. If you've never sent me a letter, or if you have before and you'd like to send me another one, please keep it brief. It works best for the format of my non-format podcast, but write me anything you want. Anything you want to ask me, anything you want to tell me, it is everything at gmail.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Dear Catherine, my boyfriend could have died, and now I want us to run away together because life is too short. But am I an idiot? Catherine, there was a mass shooting in my town during a parade in America. 
The shooting was at the exact seats where my boyfriend and his family sit annually. They chose not to go this year by chance, but not knowing that, in the moment I crumbled in fear that he may have died. Now I'm thinking life is too short and I want to move up my timeline of getting out of this country and bringing him with me. We're both 20 and in our second year of uni, so every adult would think we're insane, or that I am, for even suggesting a departure from the American life plan. My mom says I can't do anything like that until I have a degree. Am I the idiot? Am I too young to think like this? Am I dumb for questioning the college system in America and wanting to leave? But I just want to feel safe and understood, and I don't feel like that in my country. Please help. Gosh, I get that, and it must be a really scary time to live in America. This crops up every few years, and nobody seems to do anything. Someone very sadly pointed out that after Sandy Hook in America, when actual toddlers died, they didn't change it then. They really showed their true colors, and they're never going to change it. I don't have faith that they will ever change gun laws. I understand why people in America feel like they need guns. The people who do support uh, this right to bear arms the way that they choose to interpret that amendment, they feel like they can have any kind of gun. Um, They don't trust their own government. They worry that the government will turn on them and they will have to defend themselves against their own government. That's one of the reasons why a lot of citizens want guns. They also worry about some type of genuinely like alien or foreign invasion where they will have to be armed as like soldiers to defend their own country. But a lot of it is about mistrust for their own government. Um, And I understand that. And uh, mostly it's about money. We know this. And they can ban abortion all they want. But if they cared about human life, I mean, you know that the life of a five-year-old holds more value a five-year-old can suffer more and be afraid and be hurt and the whole community can feel that loss more than like the chance of a baby when you're talking about a six-week-old embryo but like they just you know they don't care and if you want to stay in America chances are you're not going to get shot Um, The population is so big there. And relatively speaking, I mean, you're probably not going to get shot, but I totally understand your fear. You absolutely could be shot um, by a toddler even. And I lived, well, I didn't live. I had to stay in America to film for a month and Violet had to go to school while I was there. This was a few years ago. And it is definitely something that you don't really think about in the UK. But when I arrived in America, she also wanted to go to a YouTube convention. And I thought, oh, conventions. And, you know, there had, of course, been another shooting. Every few years, there's a big shooting. And now there have been like two in a row in America that well, three, three that have been in the news very recently in the last like month. And I didn't want her to ever be in any crowds. I was in New York at Christmas and she wanted to go to the cinema and I didn't want to go to the cinema and I didn't want to put her in a school. I didn't want her to ever be in any crowd with me or in any institution away from me. And that is just the reality of living there. So I totally know how you feel. I, I agree that life is short and You won't know Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey, but before the break, I was talking about reality TV, and they were a famous couple who broke up, and then 9-11 happened in America, and Jessica Simpson, country music sensation, businesswoman, billionaire, entrepreneur, actress, 
she had the same feelings as you. She went, oh my God, I need Nick to be here with me right now because any life or death situation like that makes you think of your loved ones and crystallizes what's really important to you. But I would say you're 20 years old. I definitely don't think that what you need to do is drop out of university and go to some like foreign uh, secluded island with your boyfriend to get away from gun violence. I think there are things that you can hopefully do to keep yourself safe and finish university. I think this feeling that you have right now is fleeting. And maybe if you don't feel safe in America, like I think a lot of people don't, you could look into coming back home, transferring your studies or going to Canada. Um, Statistically, you're probably not going to get shot. But also statistically, if you take away all the other options in your life and seclude yourself with just your boyfriend... At age 20, you're not going to make it together. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) You're not going to make it either way is what I'm saying. No, you need to like grow some more and have some experiences. And um, I totally understand why you're afraid. But no, running away with your 20-year-old boyfriend, I'm afraid is not the answer. And he might not be the one for you. He might be, but um, life's not that short. You know, you're probably going to be alive till you're 100. And you could have like six more serious boyfriends between now and then, minimum. Catherine, please help. I'm deeply heartbroken over a man who says he loves me, but he doesn't feel he really, really, really wants a relationship with me. Ugh. So we split up. We met during COVID. It felt like we'd both found the right person in each other, but then almost as soon as it started, things went cold. I stupidly moved in too soon, and it's like he turned off the happy tap. And even though I moved out, we stayed together for another year plus after that. It never turned back on. I'm grieving. I don't know how to get over someone I don't want to get over, but he's been clear he doesn't want to continue the relationship, and I have to accept it. I've never loved someone romantically and not wanted to be in a relationship with them, so I find this very confusing. I believe he loves me, and I don't think it would normally be someone who sees love where it isn't. Everything felt so right. I even sent you an email about it then, because I thought I was moving to the UK at that stage, and I didn't want to lose him. Ugh, I'm pathetic. The even more embarrassing part is I'm nearly 40 and I feel like I'm acting like a broken-hearted teenager. I keep thinking if I stay away long enough, he'll miss me and want to sort out what's getting in the way of us being together. But then I panic and ring him to try to negotiate. Oh, God. No. So I'm neither sticking to my own dumb plan that definitely won't work or nor I'm preserving any kind of dignity. I do know all your advice that you give out in relation to these types of emails. And I wish I could get on with moving on, but I'm struggling. Unfortunately, since I live in Ireland and rent is a massive joke and a dog isn't an option, (laughs) I was thinking maybe you could help. Oh, my God. Well, I totally understand being 40 and still feeling heartbroken like a teenager. And this is what teenagers listening need to understand is that, you know, you change and evolve as you get older, but... It's not like you switch off a magic button where you don't care about this stuff anymore, about romance or about, you know, boys you like or even about how you look. My mom says it all the time when we used to, well, not me, I'd have towel over my head. But when the other girls would tan in the backyard, she'd be like, girls, you'll get wrinkles when you're 40. You think you won't care what you look like when you're 40, but you will. It's like you're still the same person inside. You're just older. Okay. And you are wiser, but you have two types of brains. You have your intellectual brain that's telling you this is a waste of your time. But then you also have your animal brain that is just in love and is just going, no, I need to be with this guy. Um, I'm sorry to tell you, you can never talk to him again. He 
you're right. It's bullshit. You can't be in love with someone, but be like, yeah, I love you so much, but I don't want to be in a relationship. No, fuck off. And if that's the kind of relationship that he wants, he needs to find someone else who has commitment issues and, and wants to play that game, but it's not you. And you're never going to change yourself to be okay with that type of love. Uh, I don't... And also, I think when you near 40, there is this narrative that you cannot escape in society that's like, why haven't you found him yet? Where is he? Where are your babies? Where is your husband? What are you doing? How do you live alone? So like, it brings you back into this state of panic where you're like, fuck, I thought this was him. I invested all this time and now it's wasted. But you've heard me say it. The only thing worse than wasting a year is wasting a year plus one day. So let this be the day that you cut off all communication with him. You don't have to hate him or wish him badly. You just go, you do not have access to me anymore. This was, you know, a waste of my time and energy. Fine. This is what you define love as, not wanting to live with someone but feeling this way for them. Good luck to you. It's not how I define love and I'm not going to change my definition of what looking after someone in a partnership is now that I'm 40. No. Because for every minute that you're spending negotiating with this dude, calling him, like devising secret plans to get him to want you back, the right guy for you is like walking past your office window or sitting next to you in the cafe and you're not meeting him because you are putting all your energy down the toilet of this man. So you can't talk to him anymore, but don't feel embarrassed or pathetic for struggling because that's a very natural reaction. But it's time to grieve him like he's dead. You know, write a letter burn it because then it goes to the you know the world of spirits and you can't talk to him ever again and if he talks to you if he does miss you down the line which I've given people this advice before I've said fuck him off act like you don't care and they do come around and they do email and they do call and they go oh I haven't heard from you you don't reply to that either you let his last message be the last message don't you dare reply to that message when it comes six months from now and I promise you won't even want to Catherine, a few months before lockdown, I was diagnosed with incurable cancer. I'm sorry. Stable for now and very pragmatic about the whole thing. I'm from Australia and I've been living in England for years. My family are pressuring me to return to Australia, but I have a loving partner and a good life here in England. I feel so torn between deciding to spend the remainder of my life with my family or my partner. I think my family would be more understanding if I was married to my partner, But I think they see him as just a boyfriend that I could easily end things with. He's extremely close with his own family, so I wouldn't ask him to choose. It was me that decided to leave home after all. I don't believe in marriage. And we've been together 10 years. We have joint property, etc. So it's basically akin to marriage. This has been an unexpected problem of immigration. Huh, any advice from another expat? Would you return to Canada in similar circumstances no I'm so sorry and I'm really happy to hear that you seem to be dealing with this diagnosis really pragmatically as you say really positively I know people who've been diagnosed with something incurable but then you know they live a lot longer than someone who didn't have something incurable and ended up just getting sick or getting hit by a bus you know you never know how long um, any of us have on earth or when a cure for something comes up or when you know when our time is up like the previous uh email where the girl said her boyfriend and his family usually go to the parade and sit in these seats but they happened to not go and like there's like a final destination element to it where it goes 
there is some sort of special secret time that we all have on this earth and we don't understand it. But if it were me, I would never go back to spend any amount of time with my family because I have, as you say, a partner here who loves me very much and property here um, and a life here and friends here and jobs here and children here. And um, I think your family are greatly overestimating their importance in your life. Like, guys, you're in Australia. I moved thousands of miles away from you and I've been happy for a decade. <laughs> like, I mean, no. Aw, that's really sweet that they think, you know, you need to be here with us. I don't like you as much as I like my husband, whom I'm not married to, but is still like my best friend and my family. Because I think when we grow older, of course you love your family, but this is your new family. This is your now family. This is like, I don't think you have to justify to anyone where you want to live or why you want to live there. But I totally understand. Like, can you imagine if you left and you went to Australia and your partner stayed here and then well, you know, you'd have a couple good days with your mom and then you'd be like, oh my God, there are reasons why we can't live with our parents past a certain age. It's like in the animal kingdom, it's everywhere. You need to just be with your partner and your life. Look, I know things are tricky, especially with Australia right now and flight prices and COVID and traveling and, you know, it's tricky. But I think your family is just panicking because they're not dealing with your diagnosis as well as you are. They don't know how long they have left with you. They're scared. They want to look after you and be with you and see you and touch you and hold you. You know, like they just need closeness. So maybe if you visited them, if you can, or if some of them came to visit you for a short time and they could actually see you, it would put everything in context. And no, I wouldn't move home though. Uh Uh-uh. Catherine, I'm 50 and I've been divorced for over a year. My children are grown and have left home. I live alone. I've been dating a man who is eight years younger than I am. The age gap has never been an issue to him. And although I don't feel or necessarily act my age, I've noticed particularly in photos that I do look it. I have deep creases in my forehead and frown lines and my face just looks tired, possibly due to the stress of the last few years. Or gravity. I mean, there's no shame in it. Your face does lose volume and elasticity as you grow older. And now it's fine to look your age. It's great to look your age. I don't know why, like for years, women would lie about their age. We are realizing it is okay not to die at age 25. Um, But I know what you mean. Okay. I've always been cynical about women who use Botox, particularly in their 20s or 30s. I can't afford to have it done now, but it is a slippery slope as I'm not a glamorous woman with amazing social life and it will involve regular costly top-ups, won't it? I know you embrace non-surgical procedures and although you're considerably younger than me, I just need advice. Do I become another woman who can't accept their age and has Botox and fillers? I absolutely love your podcast and Instagram stories. Most of all, you say Bobby K is the love of your life. I love that because my new man has said it to me and it feels wonderful. So... there's this shame around Botox and filler and this idea that you can always see it because they'll trot out the worst jobs. You know, someone who's gone to like an amateur's basement like I did when I was 20. I got dodgy filler because I hadn't done the appropriate research. I didn't, it didn't occur to me that you could do it badly. I had it done once. It looked easy. I thought I could do it. Anyone could do it, but I was 20 years old. And that's why I talk about it so much because the key is to go to a practitioner like Dr. Nina, who I always put on my Instagram stories. Uh, I think her Instagram is 
facial sculpting, Dr. Nina. I'll just tell you what it is. Let me see. Anyway, Botox, it's really difficult to do Botox badly, I think. Filler is a different story. Filler, you can get way too much and just look like a pillow face. Okay, Nina's Instagram is Dr. Nina Facial Sculpting. And I think she does a great job. Botox just relaxes the muscles that make those frown lines. You can have permanent frown lines. I forget what they're called. Maybe static frown lines. Or you can have dynamic ones that just happen when you move your face. But then after a while, they just stay there. And I know what you mean. And it's not like, oh, I I look like this or I look like that. For some reason, when you start to get frown lines, you look sad. And you don't want to look sad because you're so happy in your new life. So I get what you mean. It's not an age thing. It's like you want to look as happy and as fresh as you feel in this relationship. So filler is different to Botox. That plumps up lost volume. So as you age, the fat in your face goes away. And like I said, the elasticity does. So people plump up their cheeks or under their eyes where there's like hollowness or their lips. And that's when you see someone like not to be rude, but like Madonna, whose face looks perhaps some might say overly plumped or mine on occasion. I've gone like two nuts with the filler and it didn't look right. But Botox, I would say, don't tell anyone if you're feeling weird about it because women used to lie about dyeing their hair, you know? So this is not some like deep, dark secret, but you don't have to announce it if you don't want. Go to someone like Dr. Nina, someone you trust, someone who is a doctor not like an esthetician who does eyebrows and nails and then like dabbles in botox don't do that and get a little bit of botox um in between your eyebrows and your forehead a little bit around the outside of your eyes and just see how you feel about it there's more botox that you can get uh kind of below your mouth in your chin and in your necklines it's called the nephrotiti lift that's supposed to kind of release some of those muscles that pull your face down And you will notice only the slightest change. It will not look nuts. Your face will not be frozen. Um, Just around the eyes and forehead, like you'll just notice a little bit more smoothness. And if that's where you want to draw the line, don't ever go back for anything else. That could last quite a long time as well. You won't look fake. You won't look like Real Housewives of Orange County. You will be surprised so many women around you and men are doing this too. They just don't talk about it. It's when you get into the fillers that you can fall off the deep end. So if you want to be conservative, don't ever do fillers. Just do Botox and see how you feel. And it's not about trying to hide your age. It's okay to be 50 with a 42-year-old boyfriend. You're both adults. If you look 50, you can look a beautiful, fresh 50. So enjoy yourself. And you don't have to justify any of this to anyone. Thank you so much for listening. That is all the time I have for today. I will see you right back here next week. If you'd like to write me a letter, it's everything at gmail.com. Please keep watching Backstage with Catherine Ryan on Prime Video. Please keep listening to or reading my book, The Audacity. I am taking the summer off to work on some projects and go to Canada to do some gigs. If you live in Ontario, I'll be in Ottawa and Toronto in August, and I will be at the Just for Laughs Festival. If you live in Montreal, I will be there at the end of July. And then I'm back on tour in the UK, September, October, November. Never buy tickets from reselling websites. Always buy them from Ticketmaster or Live Nation or the venue direct. If you can't find tickets, call the venue or get in touch with them. They usually have some or they release them on the day. So 
Have a great day. I hope it's beautiful weather where you are. I hope you're with your family. I hope you get some freaking time off and I'll see you next week. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com